Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, down there in Decula, Georgia. My good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, it is good to be back talking ball like we do every week, especially after a Braves W. Mm. That, uh, that's when it always it always uh, goes down smoother after a Braves W. But you know where we're at uh, in the in the calendar, the sports calendar season, Matt. Uh, what's that? Well, when Just the everything coming together all at once. You look at this weekend. Braves are on the same time as uh, Tennessee. Tennessee at three thirty. I think the Braves are what four uh, two? two o'clock. Yeah, so Saturday, there's going to yeah. be some overlap there. Probably late. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to divide that up. But we're in postseason baseball now, intermingling in our football watching, and uh, just a lot. We are having to choose our choose our time wisely. You're going to be a two TV household for a little bit, sir. Yeah, got to. And hey, that's. That's the luxury of having a great baseball team. I know mm. I remember a few years back when uh, I was going uh, downtown somewhere uh, to watch uh, Alabama-Georgia uh, regular season game, and uh, Braves-Dodgers NLCS is also on. It's like, you know, it's, these are our first world problems right here when you are uh, when you've got a great sports town. For sure. Sports state, I guess, if you will. That's true. Um, are you going to we'll go give to you any... sports region if you want to include a few states want to claim the Braves for sure. I mean, North Carolina definitely does as someone who's been in North Carolina a lot. Yeah. That's definitely Braves country. Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama. That's, Tennessee's that's a mix. I'll say Tennessee is, that right? is. Yeah, there's a lot of Cubs in Tennessee. A lot of Cubs. Cubs. Mm-hmm. The Smokies well, are here. Yeah. Tennessee fans are just the worst. So that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Hold on, you. So let the record show. I'm for sure that's Braves country, like well, Nashville. Hold on. There's Until some red they get stuff. their own team, I think that I think that that seems like it's still Braves country. Like when I I would say Reds. That maybe I know Kentucky. You definitely that, that's like Reds territory right there. Exactly, and there are some Reds. I literally have a Reds fan neighbor. But you know what's funny? Um, I I'll never forget this. This year's opening day, I was running through my neighborhood. Um, and I like one of my neighbors is a Reds fan. And I learned this like they're when I say neighbor, I'm like, they're pushed away. This is like a mile and a half from my house. And I had walked like he's coming outside and I waved at him and I was wearing uh, a Braves cutoff and he was in all Reds gear, like decked out. And I was like, happy opening day. And he looked I'll never forget the look he made at me because he looked at me and was like and I, I was just like, what? what? I thought we were going to have a moment. Like, I was wearing some, like, it was Major League Baseball opening day. You're in all this red stuff. And to this day, I've never been more confused about a response from someone in sports gear commenting we, on that. We didn't open against the Reds, did we? No, but they were on the set. Like, it was just opening day, and he was wearing it red stuff. It seems like, yeah, opening day. That's the only time of the year that a Reds fan is actually happy, I would think. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I was just like, I, I didn't understand. I'm like, is he just wearing all of these clothes just because they're Reds clothes? Like, what are the odds? But I, he, he looked at me like I was absolutely insane as I was running by. And I'll never forget that look. And I was just like, okay, no moment there. I thought we were just going to be like a, 
hey yeah go baseball and it was just uh that was that was uncomfortable i mean that well, is if something i looked oh, sorry go ahead well i don't know if you've ever had this where this was something back in my bartending days where i thought like i learned this the hard way where i just assumed that people who wore their like sports gear was a fan of that particular team so i would as an icebreaker you learn this at some point where you're like oh they're just wearing that because it matches or they are not mm. even they were the most casual of fans where this kid came in and he had a packers jersey on one time and i was like yeah what are they doing with ball i forgot what the context was and i asked him about something specific from the game last week and he's like i have no idea what you're talking about and i was like got it um i think maybe it's the type of clothing because yeah. it's uh like if you see like a, a nice a nice pullover or something it's like this person's a, a real fan of this school you know what hmm. i mean but it's like if you just see a jersey especially a younger generation now it's like the more obscure the jersey is like the better like you see a like a i don't know, like a robert ori like phoenix suns jersey you know just like super random stuff like and in, in like high school crowds i don't know if you see that like it's just the entire front row of the student section is just random 90s nba jerseys it's i see just... that a lot as someone at going to a lot of high school football games you see this a lot you are right um yeah. that is weird and it's like the coachella effect where coachella just uh romanticized everyone wearing uh just vintage sports memorabilia like and Mike jerseys. bibby grizzlies jersey <laughs> or something like the the throwback grizzlies seems to be everyone's favorite yeah as far as those 90s the vancouver go. grizzlies sir yeah the vancouver for sure um well don't forget folks you can uh, check out this very show on youtube youtube.com slash jstones podcast watch us here on uh, the youtube page so like and subscribe there uh if you'd like to watch the show you can also check us out on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever your podcast uh, make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast player new episodes here on your feed each and every day on the blue hour pod network so go check that out if you've not already done so uh, you can also read me all kinds of great uh, pieces up each and every day at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email. That easy. That simple to become a subscriber today. You can also email this very program. Get in touch with us with any college football questions you might have or get in touch with the show at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Um, Matt Green, Night to the Nighthawk. He uh, made his rounds. Um, he flew in to Knoxville, Tennessee uh, this evening, dropping off some news items and i want to first start off matt roll out of a job at carolina and many assume he is going to fall right back in uh to college football he's getting paid something like 40 million dollars to not coach the panthers yeah he signed like a seven-year deal or something <laughs> right like an absurd nfl contract mm-hmm. so he's getting 40 million not to coach so i saw that and I don't know. I'm very curious to see what Matt Rule does because he was highly successful at uh, Temple, highly successful at Baylor. Um, seemed like he was on trajectory to be one of the top 10 best coaches in college football. Um, but, you know, now he's back. He's open. He's been linked to the Nebraska job right away. Um, seems like Wisconsin's not a possibility. I think Colorado is way too beneath him. Um out of the open jobs right now, it seems like Louisville, and when I say open, I mean like, it, here's it's like the Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech open uh, with, Scott, with Scott Satterfield at Louisville, where you're like, it's not open, but it, it 
it's gonna be open like just just Isn't hold it, yeah it's basically <laughs> that thing where it, it is open um i don't know like he's been linked to that one uh probably the most i've seen which would be interesting um i don't know where do you see matt rule fitting best i mean you don't even have to pick the open jobs uh where a, a job that you think might pop up i don't think he's a fit at auburn i don't think that's a culture fit and something that auburn would do i feel like the auburn after the culture madness of brian harson coming to the plains they're going full sec next i don't know who it is but it's it's gonna be a true and true uh sec name uh who comes into auburn uh following brian harson but i don't know who who makes sense to you off the top of your head yeah it's tough to say i i don't the, the hard part about like an, an auburn i don't know of like a, a true auburn guy right now right that's just like oh he's gonna come back home to auburn like or anyone who was a successful coordinator there that's gonna you know come back and be a head coach or something like that so i auburn is very interesting i feel like we all think that that's also going to be added to the list of, of yeah. vacancies but it feels like matt rule is basically going to have his like pick honestly mm-hmm. i think he's the definitely the hottest name out there right now like other than i mean unless you want to talk about like urban meyer or something like that but on yeah i mean that's like a that's a long shot but mm-hmm. uh i don't know why um i mean i don't think nebraska is necessarily a better job than than auburn or wisconsin like i think if auburn i think auburn would would be crazy to not look at matt rule if that if if they do fire Harson uh, this year, I mean, he's with what he did at Baylor. I do question how much he wants to recruit. I think if you're a guy who's been in the NFL multiple times, like you had a just what was it two years at Baylor? Like it was a very short stint there, mm-hmm. maybe three. I think it was just um, two, just the two. It was at the one bad season, and then it, the oh, the it was Bowl three season. total. Yeah, it was three total. Yeah, he literally okay. went from one and eleven to seven and six to eleven and three. Yeah, so for him to just be like three years, here's my shot at the NFL, see ya. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's a guy who's cut out to recruit in the college game. So mm. I feel like a Wisconsin or a Nebraska, you know, maybe you don't have those same like recruiting standards. You you get the guys you can get and you coach them up type thing. Whereas Auburn, it's like you're not finishing top ten in the recruiting. You're not fin- you're not flirting with the top five in recruiting. Like we're freaking out over here. So like. The Auburn job, I feel like it's – the ceiling is higher at Auburn. Like, it's safe to say the ceiling is higher at Auburn than a lot of these other jobs. Arizona State's another one that it's kind of under the radar a little bit. It's definitely better than – higher ceiling than all those other jobs, but it's like, at what cost? Like, it's – it just – with what you're – facing the SEC West and uh, Alabama and Georgia every year, just – the fact that you're not the best program in your state, there's just so many challenges that come with it. But, I mean, we've seen it not that long ago compete for national titles. And it's it's been a long time since we saw Wisconsin or Nebraska seriously. I mean, has Wisconsin ever really seriously? I mean, they went undefeated, what was it, 2017, mm-hmm. uh, and lost to Ohio State in the SC, uh, Big Ten Championships. So like, yeah, they have, they have contended, but it's also like – no one really ever thought they were going to beat Ohio State, right? And they haven't really given Ohio State particularly good games when they've gotten to the Big Ten Championship. So, I don't know. I uh, I tend to think Matt Rule can, yeah, like I said, can basically go wherever he goes. I think Auburn would be crazy to, to not try to get him. 
I'm still going to say Auburn gets Kiffin. My guess is it's uh. Kiffin who's next. I think Kiffin is like, I've done all I can at Ole Miss. The money isn't there. He, like, he was mad at the student section a couple weeks ago. Like, it's either going to be Kiffin or Stoops is going to be my guess. I think Auburn pulls one of those two um, will be my guess. I could, I could see that. I just don't know. Stoops would make a lot of sense. I think Kiffin... I hope Kiffin would have learned from his mistake leaving Tennessee to begin with. That, like, mm. he's actually built something here at, at Ole Miss. Like, it's... There's a there's a vibe there like this is Lane Kiffin's squad like he he obviously they haven't had the success uh, on the recruiting trail but the, they've really utilized the portal but but do you want to do that every year do you want to be the portal king every year that sounds I mean exhausting. I start to think he goes the first ten win season in school history follows mm-hmm. it up with I mean with they they're on their way to it maybe another ten and two type season uh, maybe even better so like. After a while, you know, your program recruits itself. Like, it's the, the results speak for themselves. Not that Ole Miss is the brand that's like some of these other SEC schools, but it's still like it's what he built. You go to Auburn, there's a new administration, new expectations. You, you don't have that same, you know, just built in rapport of what you've done here, what you've built. So, I don't know, like at Tennessee in his one year, like he, he talked shit and everything and the recruits, the players started to buy into it. Like he kind of was becoming a villain in the SEC and then he just bounced for USC and it failed terribly. Like I, it's not the same uh, move, but it feels like kind of a, like what does Auburn really offer you that Ole Miss doesn't? Chance at a national title. Like that's, that's it. Like he can win a national title at Auburn. He can't, can't Ole Miss. Why can't you win a national title at Ole Miss? You like, what does Auburn have that Ole Miss doesn't? That's the. Well, I don't think like, Ole Miss has ever been in the blue chip ratio for starters. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, uh, I mean those Kimdichi. That's one year. Treadwell team, and they got in trouble. There. Yeah, <laughs> they were cheating. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's hard to say. Auburn, it's just they are they are a good program, but the same challenges that Auburn has. Like Ole Miss has in the SC West, and they don't have to play Georgia every year. Like they, well, they might not be anymore. Who knows what the new scheduling is going to be when Oklahoma and Texas come in? Are we sure Georgia and Auburn play? No, I mean that's fair. I think I think Georgia Auburn still do play every year, but I think the with that three six model, I think there's no there's no longer a, a clear easier path anywhere in the SEC. Just everybody. Wait, then who do you? Everybody. So if you think Georgia keeps Auburn, who do you think is the the three for Georgia? I think Georgia is definitely going to be Florida, Auburn. Like Florida and Auburn is like a no-brainer. It's the hmm. it's the oldest rivalry in the entire SEC. Like they've played like 127 times yeah. or something like that. Uh, and then South Carolina, I think, would be the last one. I think, you think they'll keep South Carolina? Yeah, I think I think Georgia is South Carolina's number one rival. Huh? Like <laughs> South Carolina's like five or six on Georgia's list of rivals, but I feel like like. The Spurrier years, I feel like just the two states right next to each other. It feels like this, the Georgia game means a lot to South Carolina. I, I just I don't think I think you also kind of want to balance it out, not not try to give everybody three super difficult games. Like I, it would suck to see Georgia Tennessee go, but you look at Tennessee and Vanderbilt has to be one, Alabama has to be one. And then probably someone like Kentucky, like Kentucky, Tennessee. Kind well, of that's the thing. Sense. It's going to come down to Kentucky and Florida. Like they don't know. Oh, like, I didn't they're... even leave. I didn't even think about Florida. Florida, Tennessee. You can't lose Florida, Tennessee. Most assume up here, Florida's gone. 
Most oh, of the see, that would suck. Florida, yeah. Tennessee not playing Georgia or Florida every year? That's That doesn't seem right. Well, part of it is like Florida's three is Georgia, Bama, or Georgia, um, Kentucky, and who am I missing? See, I don't think Florida really has that. I mean, LSU is they play LSU, in the West I think every was the other year. One. But that might have been it. LSU yeah. is like, I don't think LSU can keep Florida because it's like... <clears throat> Arkansas LSU is big, but that, that one might be gone. But like LSU Alabama, LSU A and M, seems like a lot of those SEC West rivals are, are bigger for LSU. But I don't know. Arkansas has also talked about Texas being one of theirs. So I don't know. It, it could get crazy. But I think Florida Tennessee. I think that's the one that seems. We're like getting both screwed because we have to keep Vanderbilt on the on the tab. It's like, uh, do we really have to keep Vanderbilt? Yeah. Do we really? They're not a rival. Like that's not a thing. We we don't yeah. have to play Vanderbilt every year. They do though. If you're gonna like, unless you're gonna kick them out of the conference, it's like <laughs> the Tennessee, the Tennessee in-state rival. It's like you have to play that. I mean, it, yeah, I guess so. That uh, and then Tennessee can start. Uh, building off Clemson's thing, rock the championship orange pants. They can start rocking all orange for the state championship, like uh, like Dabo and Clemson does. You know about that, right? The championship orange pants. No, what Clemson wears orange pants for every championship game. My oh. personal opinion. I never realized that their pants, their uniforms look way better with the orange pants. So in the playoff, they always have orange pants. Hmm. ACC championship, they always rock orange pants. And then the South Carolina game because it's the state championship. I was going to say, I remember them always wearing orange pants in the South Carolina game. For whatever reason, that's the most. Yeah. Just, I guess they've been doing that before Dabo, though, I want to say. I feel like so, that's So, yeah. So, when you think of it, I think it goes back to, like, 1981. They, like, won the national championship, like, mm. rocking all orange or something. Because um, they had those pants up in the College Football Hall of Fame somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, you you see Clemson in the playoff every year. You kind of they're more recognizable with the orange pants because that's how you like always see them on the biggest stage. But hmm. but yeah, so Tennessee maybe they can. I'm a big fan of Tennessee's all orange uh, look they got. They bust out every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. And somehow we it got off that from Matt Rule. I will say the <laughs> last thing <laughs> they have my uni approval. I can't yeah. I can't not go back to unis. Uh, the last thing I'll say on Rule though. Um, He's from State College. He literally went to State College High School and walked on at Penn State for four years. And, like, that dude is a Penn State lifer. But that job's not open. But James Franklin's been linked to every other job. And I wonder if some other job – I don't know which one would finally pull him because, like, USC made sense as a pull for Franklin. Um, but that's obviously not open. I don't think a big, big job is going to open up that I think would – move him so roll can't really wait on the penn state job to open up anytime soon so <clears throat> arizona state would not surprise me like if you're getting 40 million in the bank and you're just like i want to go get away <laughs> and just have a fun life for a couple years and just win pretty good healthy amount of games um expectations aren't crazy uh the weather's great near socal get some sun and then when the penn state job opens up uh I'll I'll interview and see what happens, but uh, let me go hang out in Scottsdale or in Tempe and uh, just do the southwest of the country uh, stuff for for a couple of years. I could see role at Arizona State among all the available jobs the most. Yeah, the, our our listeners in Madison, Wisconsin, are pretty upset with you right now. It's that's a it's a great place to live. Okay, sir. Well, I mean, he is from Penn State, so he probably would not hate uh, 
moving to Wisconsin. Too cold for me. But I also no, just I don't feel think like Leonard's going to keep that job. Based on like their early yeah. returns here, I think they really want Leonard to he get it. He feels like kind of like Dre Bly at North Carolina. Mm. Like once Mac retires, he, yeah, he's just kind of he's been molded for that role. He, he, it seems like like every recruit North Carolina gets, it's like they shout out, "Oh yeah, <laughs> had a great relationship with Dre Bly," you know. So it's uh, and he's. Everyone loves to have the coach that went to went to your school. So yeah. that's where I wonder, Tennessee Volunteers, do get, we're getting off track. Brent Venables isn't looking too hot. You know uh, Tennessee's got to pay a pretty penny to uh, to keep Josh Heupel from going home. They just extended him. I'm just saying. Brent he Venables, the hot bat. seat talk has already started, which I think is ridiculous and premature. But, I mean, if next year doesn't get any better, I don't know. Oklahoma, I mean, you know Josh Heupel would be a candidate. He'd be the number one candidate for Oklahoma. I don't know about that. I think Stoops would probably be number one. Um, but no. Yeah, Bob's got a great relationship with OU. Like him just recommending, like he's their default bowl coach when <laughs> when they have an interrupt. Like he's out here. Didn't he just coach the bowl game? No, he, he did just, coach the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, I would not but be But Bob least... Stoops, Mark Stoops is not – that's not Oklahoma football. Like it might be 1980s Oklahoma football, but Josh Heupel is doing what Oklahoma's had success with in the 21st century. Like I think, I know you don't want to hear this right now. We get uh, we got a big game this week. We got to get to before we start uh, moving Josh Heupel across the country. I will say, the odds are per- like never say never, but I think he because Oklahoma's moving to the SEC. I think that kind of changes it, like the Big 12 path. Like, I think that might have been more appetizing for Hypel if he ever – that was part of it. And, look, there is always a draw that was his alma mater. That's where he won a national championship. But the dude's from, like, Montana or North Dakota, I want to say. He grew up in um, – it's one of those two. I forgot. I always forget which one, but it's one of those two. And his dad was, like, a great high school coach. And I don't know. Like, he has a tie to Oklahoma because that's where he played. But it's not like he grew up and was, like, a – Oklahoma fan and lifer and that sort of thing. It was just where he went to school and had a lot of success, but he was also fired there and has a bad relationship. It seems like with the school. Um, I just, I have my doubts and I think he probably thinks he can get better. I mean, he's built this program up to this point now where they're number six in the country. I mean, when Kiffin left for USC, they were not anywhere near that. So that's year one. Like he left early, early in the process. And that was the dream job, dream job. But he was, Tennessee also wasn't just in the dumpster when Kiffin right. left, you know. This would be unprecedented for him to bounce from Tennessee to Oklahoma. That, that would be an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented bounce to move from one con- national title contender to the next. And people it's... throw out Lincoln who just did it from OU. That was to, unprecedented, exactly, a coach leaving Oklahoma. Yeah, because it's never happened before. You don't leave. That's not a bounce job. Like, it's just once you're at Oklahoma, you're at Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess never say never, but I would just be surprised. Um, and even if that was, like, I think we're still probably a year or two away from that even being a conversation. And if it was, Tennessee's in such a good place now that I'm not as nervous about it. Like, what the mess that... Cliff that Kiffin left behind very very different that if two years from now Heupel were to leave um Tennessee would be in uh 
very much okay shape. I would not be like, oh, this guy is falling uh, to the same degree. It's also like when people have talked about like Kirby Smart potentially going to the NFL or something. It's like, well, if that ever happens, I imagine as a fan, I got, I don't know, maybe two or three national titles out of it. So yeah. I'm cool. If, if, if Heupel is wanted at Oklahoma, it's, it's probably a good thing for what he's done at Tennessee. Yeah, I just don't think he brings in Nico and then leaves as Nico's a freshman. Uh, that, that well, I don't think Venables is getting fired this year, though. I'm just well, saying, no, Nico like... comes in next year. So what? He's going to like have one year. If he has a special, if Nico is everything that... Hey, man, he, he could bring him to Oklahoma with him. I'm so done with all of this. the NIL era. This is ruining my, my Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> this is not where we need to go. Um, uh, there was one other thing you wanted to dive into before we get into our college football week seven picks. Cannot believe we're already at week seven, but, uh, where do you, uh, what'd you want to hit on here? My friend, it is week seven and we are at the crossroads of the college football season. I would say this is the, uh, the true midpoint. Some teams play in their, their sixth game of the season this, this week. A lot of teams getting bye weeks, uh, around this time of the year. But we got 15 unbeatens left right now. And at most, when we talk on Sunday night, we will have 12 left, sir. So in the SEC, we got we got Georgia, Ole Miss, and then Alabama and Tennessee this week. Somebody's getting knocked off. Um, Ohio State, uh, Penn State, Michigan in the Big Ten. Penn State, Michigan this week. Oklahoma State, TCU this week. We're getting Syracuse at Clemson next week. Uh, and then in the Pac-12, uh, USC and UCLA will meet in the regular season. And in the Sun Belt, Coastal Carolina and James Madison are also going to play uh, in the regular season. So we're going to get a lot of big-time matchups with undefeated teams. And um, so, like I said, there's those three matchups we have this week, which I believe they, I've heard it was the first time in AP poll history that we have three undefeated teams um, ranked inside the top thir- or six mat- three matchups between six undefeated teams, all in the top 12 of the rankings. Mm. So, um, how many of these teams do you think have staying power as undefeateds? Well, some of that's going to spoil my picks this week. Matt Green, mm. I don't know if I can divulge this. I I don't know if I can do this. I will say the okay. ones who are not in the pick'em, who I think have the staying power. So I don't think Ole Miss does. I think Georgia does. I don't think. Let's see. I don't think UCLA does. I do think James Madison does. I think James Madison like. And they get Coastal Carolina at home too. That's gonna be a big game. I'm. There's so many uh, Frank Signetti's. Like, there's Frank Signetti Jr., the OC at Pitt. The dad was, like, an all-time great Signetti uh, coach at WVU. And then you have – I think he – did he preclude um, Bobby Bowden at West, West Virginia? I don't remember. He might have been right before, right after. But um, – and then you have uh, you the other You asked me who was at West Virginia before Bobby Bowden? Mm-hmm. I have what was that? Nineteen fifty-five. Like Bobby no. Bowden started at Florida State in like sixty something. No, he did not. Bobby he Bowden was, was like the head the coach for like forty-five years. No, he was at. Hold on, because he was born in yet yeah, twenty-nine. He was at Samford, right? Was, he, was yeah. He, he was they were West not Virginia called Samford at the time, right? Weren't they called something else? Howard College. Yeah, he was at uh, Howard College, and then he went to West Virginia in. Let's see. 
65. 65. So <laughs> was his first year at Florida State? Uh, it was 70. Uh, 76. 76. 76 to 2009? Yeah. 2008? <laughs> 76, though. Wow. I told you. Yeah, he was in... Oh, yeah, he's West Virginia from 1966 to 1975. Okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. He was there for a good minute, man. And so they him, were, and, uh, him and Jimbo have a little West Virginia little connection there. Jimbo's a West Virginia guy, right? I was going to say, Jimbo's actually from there, though. Bobby's from Birmingham. He's an okay. Alabama dude. Because that was like the whole thing forever. Remember, he was like the early Dabo where they just kept waiting for Bobby to take the Alabama job and kept assuming he was eventually going to get pulled to Bama, and he never did. Is that right? I, don't, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, Bobby Bowden was always linked. He was like the Dabo thing where they're like, oh, he's the head coach. Like, when is he going to make the jump? When is the prodigal son going to come to Alabama? Never did it. He had a good thing going, uh, it turns out, at Florida State. Yeah, for sure. They were the uh, the gold standard in the 90s. Even really the 80s. What was that record where they were like, they had finished in the top? What was that? I don't think they won any championships in the 80s, though. Well, what I'm saying is like, what was that record he had where they never finished any less than like the t- AP top five in like 10th Street? What was that record? I that believe it because you look at Florida, Florida State, like mm-hmm. the, the head-to-head rivalry in the 90s and like, neither of them are outside of the top five like every single game like it's, yeah it's pretty insane he was uh he was pretty incredible he's like kind of forgotten like he's clearly a top five all-time college football coach and i think he's kind of forgotten oh, yeah i mean bit. i think he's top three right like he's mm. he's since no one talks about joe paterno anymore right he's yeah. like the the barry bonds <laughs> he's got an asterisk we don't talk about his record um i think bobby bound is like the the Hank Aaron, he's the, the, the true home run champ, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Saban's obviously – I guess Bear Bryant's the GOAT. So, I mean, Saban's honestly the GOAT now. So, yeah, I think Bear, Bobby Bowden's got to be in that third, fourth range right there. Um, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, the last thing I'll say is it's going to be fun because we have 15 right now, and we have at most – we'll have six. Uh, left at the end of the season. So the SEC is the only one of these conferences that can have two undefeated teams in the conference championship. Like the rest of these, we're going to see it all play out in the regular season. Yes. Um, Well, that'll be fun. That will be fun, Matt Green. Uh, As we get into our week seven pick'em, would you like to refresh the listeners as to our standings as we get into uh, the midweek or mid-season portion of the college football calendar? I can do that. And I'd also like to uh, celebrate uh, the L.A. Dodgers just going down here in game two mm. of the NLDS. Uh, hopefully the Braves can get advanced in the playoffs and not play the Dodgers. Um, but moving back to college football, um, yes, uh, so far in the year, um, I'm not doing too hot. You have a commanding lead, 10 games overall. You are 52 and 17 on the season to my 42 and 27. Then against the spread, you are 35, 32 and two. Five game lead over me against the spread. I am 30, 37 and two. And then Zeus is now uh, two and four on the season with his home dog of the week. So uh, me and Zeus are mm. each are each trying to uh, to get to get back in the win column this week. Make up some ground on Chase Thomas. 
Lord knows you got a lot of ground to make up uh, to catch me this season, my friend. Uh, well, where are we going first? I think you know exactly where <laughs> we're going first, sir. Um, I would say the biggest game in Knoxville, Tennessee, since probably, what, Casey Clawson was on campus? We're talking maybe uh, maybe Eric Ainge was on campus. Uh, Alabama goes on the road. College game day is going to be there. Tennessee Volunteers, seven-and-a-half-point home dog this week. Mm. So I know you have a lot to say about this game, so I'm going to uh, – I'm going to – preface this by we don't know who what what the deal is with Bryce Young. And I think so much of the the analysis around this game comes from are we getting Alabama with Bryce Young or are we getting Alabama without Bryce Young? And I think that this line is saying we're getting Alabama with Bryce Young because I honestly can't justify Alabama being favored if Bryce Young is not playing. Like Tennessee is significantly better than Texas A&M this year. And this is on the road as opposed to at home last week with what we saw from Jalen Milrow, like they're still able to run the ball, but if, if they don't have Bryce young, like this is, this is a completely different offense. And I think as bad as Tennessee's secondary has looked at times, I think they're what 128th in the country and um, yards per game allowed through the air. They're also, I think 11th in the country and yards per game, in rushing yards allowed and I think seventh in yards and yards per carry allowed so Tennessee has been really good against the run this year and if if it's if there's no Bryce Young I feel like they're gonna shut they're gonna shut Alabama down honestly and I think it's gonna be like a I could see it being like the Texas game like a 21-17 type game like even though we expect uh, these two high-powered offenses but if Bryce Young is in this game I still I still like Tennessee's chances to keep it close, but it's it's harder to it's harder to pick them to win. So I I won't give my pick yet, but I'll, what do you have to say about this one? It's Fifteen straight uh, for Alabama. That's a long streak. Do the Vols exercise their Florida and Alabama demons the same year? That's a lot. That's asking a lot from year two uh, for Josh Heupel and this group. Like you said, that line, people are like, oh, what was it uh, finally, seven or eight? Uh, what, what did you well, use? Well, we have it at seven and a half. Okay. Um, I'll see if it's changed. And you mentioned Bryce Young. Bryce Young is ultimately the X factor here, where like Cedric Tillman, we'll see. He's still like an iffy game time decision. Uh, they've been pretty noncommittal. If he's going to play, um, hopefully he plays, but they've shown that they've been able to survive without him but that was uh not against alabama like you want cedric tillman uh in this particular game if you you want him every week but you definitely want him in this one based on everything i've read about the kind of injury bryce young is dealing with even if he plays like he's gonna be playing with pain like that seems unavoidable based on what he has is that it's gonna hurt and that he's going to be limited on deep throws. Like, I think that is going to be a problem, is that the where it is in his throwing shoulder, Tennessee's going to hit him. Like, Tennessee is going to get home a couple of times. This Alabama offensive line isn't great. Um, Bryce Young's taken some shots this year, and Bryce likes to move around in the pocket, and Tennessee has been very blitz-heavy this year. They blitz really strong, and then they drop a bunch of dudes into coverage. That is their thing. 
they're going to get home. Joshua Josephs, every week, a freshman, he's fantastic. He's going to be an awesome edge guy for Tennessee for years to come. Byron Young is maybe the best edge uh, guy outside of Will Anderson in the SEC this year. Um, they're going to get home a couple times, and they're going to hit Bryce a couple times. What's going to be interesting to me is if Bama can win with no deep balls, no deep plays. Like Tennessee is just a bend, don't break team. They are keeping everything in front of them. They're not letting you beat them over the top. They're just not giving anything up like that. Um, that's going to be different because last year they had difference makers out wide. They had John Mechie. They had Jamison Williams. They had dudes who Tennessee just could not go one-on-one with over four quarters. Like it eventually just wore them out and they lose 52-24. I don't think that's the case this year. I mean, Jalen McCullough doesn't look like he's going to be playing in this game uh, based on what happened a couple days ago. So he's probably gone, but I mean, even if you put in Wesley Walker, that's not the worst thing in the world at one of those safety spots, or maybe it's Mary McDonald, they move him up or maybe, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Uh, Turrentine might get the spot. I don't know. Um, I am just very curious that Alabama is going to have to score points. And I think when you have the number one scoring offense in the country, like you can make the case, this is just the best offense in the country. I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how many times Will Anderson gets home. I don't care. Hendon Hooker is going to score a certain amount of points. This offense is going to score a certain amount of points. And if Bryce isn't 100% right, or they have those four turnovers and they have to play Milrow a little bit because Bryce gets banged up, you turn the ball over four times against Tennessee, it's over. Like, you're not winning this football game. Hendon Hooker just doesn't turn the ball over. And look, I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully that doesn't change this week. But he had a couple fump. Like, he had one fumble, and I forgot who the other one was uh, this past week. But he got blindsided on a sack, and Dylan Sampson picks it up and actually almost gets a first down off of it. That's about it. Like, he's not going to throw a pick. He hasn't thrown a pick in forever. And that's been the best thing about this Tennessee offense, I think, to this point this year in terms of helping out the defense is that they're not putting the defense in any bad spots. They're not just putting this very, like, pedestrian. Like, they're somewhere in the 40s as a team defense, I would say, in the country. If I had to, like, with everything included, they're somewhere around the 40s. You can survive by that if your offense is scoring enough and your offense isn't turnover prone, your offense isn't doing dumb stuff that just puts a a limited defense in bad spots. And that's just not what Tennessee has done. They did it a little bit in the second game at Pitt, and you saw that that's the reason that game was close because of the muff punt uh, inside their own territory. They had a bad fumble. Like they did some dumb stuff in that one early in the second half to keep it from getting out of hand against Pitt. But whew, this is so difficult because Bama is seventh in passing offense in the SEC. This kind of looks like a better mat, like a a slight. I shouldn't say slightly. A better version of what LSU was looking at when they were playing Tennessee this weekend. The difference, LSU had Tennessee at home. Bama's coming here. The last two times Tennessee has won, they've had, it's been Bama and Knoxville. Wait, so who are you comparing to LSU? Alabama right now. When you look at the stats, Alabama is seventh in passing offense. This is not, like, the Mm. guys out wide just aren't there. Like, they're not winning that way. Do you know how they're winning? They are winning on the ground with Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has been the engine that has kept this thing moving. The reason the Crimson Tide are undefeated right now is because Jameer Gibbs is that dude. He was my preseason Heisman pick. He has been fantastic. Um, This was from uh, Connor O'Gara had a good stat about this, and I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. 
Alabama leads all non-service academy teams in rushing yards a game and is number one in FBS in yards per carry. That is how they are making this thing work. Here's the problem with that. The one good thing about Tennessee's defense is they haven't let anybody run on them. They're averaging like 2.3 yards per carry. LSU can run on them. If you take away that one big pit run in that game. I was going to say he had, what, 150 on the no, ground No, but that game? one was a 76-yarder. And if you remove that one big play where he broke through, they weren't running the ball at all on Tennessee. So you had one. You gave him one. That was it. And by and large, they didn't break anything open. Tennessee's not giving up big chunk plays. So I don't think that's a recipe for success against this the way this Tennessee team is built. You are going to have to pass on Tennessee if you want to beat them. That is how you beat them, is through the air right now. And that's not what Milrow, especially, and an injured Bryce Young and a limited wide receiver group to this point can do. I don't think this is a great matchup. Georgia is a worse matchup for Tennessee right now than Alabama. I think Tennessee is going to win this football game, and I think they're going to win it 38-35. Put it on the board. Mm. So um, you kind of stole you kind of stole my thunder there uh, for a second because I was gonna throw your preseason prediction right back at you, mm. but you already you already pointed it out there. J- your Jameer Gibbs winning the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think there's any way that Alabama wins this game by seven and a half points. So mm. I'm taking Tennessee against the spread, but I think I think Jameer Gibbs is gonna have. Uh, some Heisman moments in this game. And I think he's going to be the difference maker, whether it's on the ground or through the air. I think Alabama is going to make just enough plays to win this game, but it is going to be down to the wire, final seconds. Maybe the last team that has the balls uh, wins the game, Um, but I'm going to take Alabama to win, but uh, Tennessee to cover the spread. I just... I don't know. I, I can't shake it. And if you're a Georgia fan, this, you don't want Alabama in this game. You do not want that at all. You want Tennessee to get this win here to have that out. Because Tennessee's not sweeping Georgia-Bama this year. That's not happening. But what I have said since the beginning of this season, before the season, Tennessee was splitting Bama and Georgia this year. I didn't know which way, but they're splitting it. I mean, if Tennessee can beat Alabama, they can beat anybody in the country. They're not. I mean, that's so, asking a crazy amount, though. That's like I'm just saying, it's if if they are beating Alabama is that's that's a huge hurdle to get over. If you can beat Alabama, I think you should you should uh, definitely think you can beat Georgia. You can, should think you could beat Ohio State. Like, not saying Alabama is better than Georgia and Ohio State. They're currently ranked third, but I think those teams are in kind of a group by themselves right now. I think as a Georgia fan, I don't want to have to play Alabama potentially twice, like Alabama hmm. had to do to Georgia last year. So <clears throat> as a Georgia, from a Georgia rooting interest, I mean, one, Georgia's home schedule has been kind of weak this year. So selfishly, I want Tennessee to win this game. And then you're talking about, I was just saying, this is the biggest game in Knoxville in 20 years. Like I think Tennessee at Georgia number three versus number one or something like that, November 5th, that might be the biggest game in Sanford Stadium in the last 20, 30, 40 years. You know, like that would just be an absolutely ridiculous environment. So as a Georgia fan, I think I would prefer Tennessee win this. Georgia beat Tennessee, beat Alabama as their second loss of the season, the SEC championship, and not have to worry about playing them again. But, but yeah, I mean, 
I think you glossed over Alabama's defense a little too much. I think their secondary has been very suspect. I've been very critical of their secondary just in one-on-one matchups. McKinstry is a ridiculous They've only forced two interceptions this year. He's a great punt returner, but as a corner, he's just he's, – he's either holding or he's getting beat. And, and UT's number one in passing offense. And so that's the biggest concern, I think, for Alabama defensively. But, man, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, like this – Great. This Guess what? The ball's going to be out. Absurd. Yeah, but I mean, you saw Texas A&M last week. They couldn't even drop back without Will Anderson being in the backfield. Like they had like 20 hurries or something in that game. It was just absurd. So I think you're you might be under underestimating just how big of difference makers those those edge rushers for Alabama are. I think this Alabama. No, I think they're going to hit him. But my thing is like, is Hinden Hooker going to drop the ball? Because if Hendon Hooker does not fumble and Tennessee does not lose the turnover margin, there's no way they lose this game because they're not throwing picks to the air and Bama will make at least a mistake or two. I just, they don't force any interceptions. Like Alabama, the way the secondary, this is not even a traditional Alabama secondary. Like this is the kind of, I think they're top 10, top 20 in yards per game. No, Uh, I'm talking about like in interceptions. They're not forcing turnovers. So like if you're not forcing turnovers against Tennessee, I don't know how you stop this team because you're just going to get torched. If you're not putting them in a box, I'm, I'm just, just saying like Pittsburgh, like that, that went to overtime. We're at 27, 27, right? It's not like this is just the, the greatest offense the world's ever seen. I think this Alabama defense, like it's a great offense. This Alabama defense is also just, it's got some difference makers, just some absolute game wreckers on it. So I think, I don't know. I think Alabama turns hooker over at least one time in this game. But if also just being a Nick Saban team, like, was that? I think that was the worst game I've ever seen a Nick Saban team play last week at Texas A&M. Mm. Like that's another intangible aspect. That, like, do we really see Alabama ever playing that poorly? Like two weeks in a row, like just putting the ball. How many times did they fumble? Four times. Yeah. Lost like three of them, or they lose four fumbles. Like they lost four. So yeah, like it's it's hard to see Alabama doing that two weeks in a row. Um, and I mean, we saw what Florida, we saw what Anthony Richardson did to this, this, uh, this Tennessee secondary as well. So I don't know. I think Jalen Milrow has a lot of Anthony Richardson in him. So, mm. I mean, they, Anthony Richardson's got like five touchdowns and seven picks or something right now. So that's not necessarily a compliment, but he's, he's a super athletic quarterback and that those kind of guys can change games. This is definitely, uh, the best offense. Alabama will have faced all year, but this is by far the best defense Tennessee has faced all year as well. Do you know what's funny about Milrow? Do you know what's who that? his uh, NFL or his college comparison is on two four seven? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know, like uh, Jalen Hurts or something. I don't know. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. That's an interesting comparison. I can't compare anybody to him because I've never seen a quarterback built like that. Like <laughs> this man, it looks like a tailback. Uh, where are we going next, my friend? We are going to our second matchup of undefeated teams on the day. Really our first, if we're going chronologically. Our big noon game on Fox. Uh, Penn State on the road at Michigan. The Wolverines are a six and a half point home favorite in this game. How do you see this one going? I went back and forth on this one. I... I don't know. Like I was so out on Clifford early on and we saw the five-star freshman. They're like, Oh, 
it's all our time. Like he's good. It, uh, he's just got more of the arm talent. There's some Quinn Ewers there a little bit. It's like the the Quinn Ewers Hudson card situation where you're like, mm, when is it? Or JJ and Cade McNamara, and you're like, all right, how much longer are we gonna do this? Like it's clear who the better quarterback is here. But Clifford's a gamer, been there a really long time. Um, if he's healthy last year, how many games did they win? I don't know. They were in a good spot this past year. Um, they beat Auburn back to back. Um, this is a good, this is a good Penn State team. Um, that being said, at Michigan in the big house, it's so hard to figure out who Michigan is because they haven't played anybody. Like it's just you look at the numbers and they're top ten and everything. And you're like, okay, this is good, this is good, this is good. But then you look at the schedule and you're like, I mean, that's fine. But like even the good team you played, Iowa, it's like you're not learning anything about michigan against iowa and that offense you're not learning anything about that defense and how they're going to play against penn state penn state's number two in rushing defense in the big 10 michigan has got the number three rushing offense like blake corum will he be able to run on penn state that is something that i'm curious about will jj mccarthy and company be able to run all over penn state penn state's not a good third down team one of the worst in the big 10 i think that's a little concerning if you're a nittany lion fan um but i just wonder does it matter that michigan hasn't played anybody yet and penn state has been a little bit tested all that being said, I don't think this is where Michigan gets got. I, I can't see it. I think if this was at Penn State, I might lean more on a swing the other way. I just think the Wolverines do enough here to win and cover. Yeah, it's interesting how different J.J. McCarthy and Sean Clifford are talked about. Like, you look at their mm-hmm. numbers, and they're almost identical. Like, yeah. McCarthy's uh, – completing a lot higher percentage. I think he's like, he's almost at like 80% or something. He's like 77 mm. or something like that. Um, so he's been more efficient, but he's got nine touchdowns, one pick on the year. Clifford's at nine touchdowns, two picks, like roughly the same number of yards. I think Clifford is definitely a little over hated on. Like, I feel like a lot of people talk about him. Like he's just this garbage college quarterback that's been there for eight years but the guy makes some plays. He can actually, I feel like he's sneaky athletic. He makes some, makes some plays with his legs. These running backs in this game, I think are going to be two of the best running backs in the Big Ten. Like, I mean, Corum is one of the best running backs in the country. But Nick Singleton, like this guy's been a baller this year. I, I was going back and forth on these two teams as well. I feel like they're so similar. And Penn State has gone on the road twice, like at Purdue, at Auburn, taking care of business. Like, I was trying to talk myself into Penn State. Um, I really like this Penn State secondary. And they've been so good against the run this year. But I think Michigan is going to do just enough to win this game. But I'm also I'm going to take Penn State uh, against the spread. But I'm going to take Michigan to, to, eat, to eke this one out, like a, a three, four-point win. I like it. Um, keeping it moving to the Big 12. Uh, we got Iowa State going on the road at Texas. Longhorns are a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. What are your thoughts on this one? Big big spread for this one. Big spread for this one. A um, little concerning where it's like, oh, this is the exact kind of Iowa State game where they come back and they keep this close. Like, oh, you're doubting us because our offense has sucked the last couple weeks and all that hype where it's like, oh, they're going to be all right. It's Hunter Decker's time, and things are okay. Um, but going into the year, I said on this podcast, I'm like, they lost so much talent. Like, I didn't see how the clones were going to have a good year. I thought this was going to be a rebuilding, tough year for Matt Campbell's crew. And now they've come back down to earth. But you're like, oh. But it's at 
Iowa State. Or it's at Texas. At Texas. So, the coming out party, you just blew out your rival in the biggest, most embarrassing way possible. Quinn Ewers looks like the dude. The defense is legit. They're going to cause problems for this Iowa State defense. I think it's a little bit more difficult for Quinn and company, but I don't think there's any reason that Texas doesn't roll here. So give me the horns to win and cover at home. I mean, Iowa State's got the worst offense in points per game in the Big 12 at 23.2. I just don't think you... They've played four... Sorry, they've played four Power 5 teams so far this year. They've scored... 10, 24, 11, and 9 in those oh. four games. Yeah, 13, you can't beat Texas that 13. way. 13.5 points per game. Yeah, You're not beating Quinn Ewers Texas like that. Is, hey, Texas is hanging at least 30, mm-hmm. probably 40 in this one. I think Texas wins big. I agree. Um, keeping it moving to the Big Ten West, we got the Golden Gophers going on the road. Ranked 24th ranked Illinois is a six and a half point home dog in this one. What are your thoughts on this game? This is going to decide the Big Ten West, right? I think Purdue's still in it. I, okay. I wouldn't count out Purdue yet, but I think these are starting to look like the two best teams in the West. Uh, Mohamed Ibrahim looks like he's going to play. He did not play last week, which was a big issue as to why. The Gophers lost, and Tanner Morgan had to do a lot more than he had expected. I think this might come down to the DeVito versus Tanner Morgan factor because Chase Brown, obviously a superstar running back. Ibrahim has been a superstar running back for the Gophers. My thing is, DeVito, he's not careful with the football. Like, the Illinois Lionize uh, quarterback situation, they're number two in interceptions thrown in the Big Ten. I just... I, I think that's going to be a problem here. You can't turn the ball over against a team that wants to just run the ball down your throat in Minnesota and take the ball out of Tanner Morgan's hands and not have him throw four picks or whatever he did uh, the other week. You want to be able to play this stuff. They they really want to play the same kind of game. I just think there's a little bit more of a mercurial uh, nature with the quarterback situation with, versus Tanner Morgan, what we saw last week. I don't think that's real. I think DeVito, and even if it's a backup situation uh, for Illinois, I don't think they're going to take care of the ball well enough because, look, Minnesota's got the number one rushing offense in the in the sport in the Big Ten, and Illinois's got the number one rushing defense. That's so fascinating. Something's got to give, and I think it comes down to Illinois making some bad turnovers and Minnesota taking advantage. So. Give me the Gophers to win and cover. These are the number one and number two teams in the country in total defense this season. Mm. Um, so I, the over-under on this game is 39 points. Uh, Minnesota comes in averaging or allowing 8.8 points per game, and Illinois is allowing 8 points per game. I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight. The classic Big Ten, three yards in a cloud of dust type game. And if that doesn't describe the type of game Brett Bielema wants to play with his teams, I don't know what does. I think Illinois, mm. I think this is going to be 13-10. to 10. Chase, uh, Chase Brown, nation's leading rusher. He's going he's gonna to pop, pop a few runs in this one. And um, I think Illinois is going to... It's going to keep the uh, the magical season going. I think this is actually, like you said, I think if Illinois wins this game, I think they take a commanding lead mm-hmm. in the uh, in the Big Ten West. But Purdue's got that win over Minnesota. So 
if Minnesota wins this, I feel like that kind of brings Purdue back. But Illinois and Purdue still have to face each other later in the year. Um, but yeah, I like the I like the Illini to keep the keep the train moving. Home dog of the week. Put it on the board. Mm. Okay, I like it. Um, keeping it moving. Our third uh, battle of undefeated teams, Oklahoma State. This one also at three thirty. Unfortunately, I know we'll be we'll be tuned into Alabama Tennessee uh, at three thirty. But I have to keep track of this one. Oklahoma State at TCU. The Horned Frogs, three and a half point home favorite in this one. And I feel like these two teams are like identical, honestly. Just looking at them, like they're both just scoring so many points. Even um, Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan have almost been identical this year. Max Duggan's just been crazy efficient. I think I'm buying into the Horned Frogs. The uh, when you look at the Power Five teams they've played, Oklahoma State's averaging 30 seconds because I think they're both averaging right at like 48 a game or so. Oklahoma State's averaging 37 points per game versus Power Five competition. TCU's averaging 44 points per game. Um, give me Max Duggan and the Horned Frogs to keep this undefeated season going. Never thought I would say that. Interesting. I went back, like you said, they, these two teams have a lot in common. They are kind of like um, basically the inverse of Illinois and uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Just a completely different game and different style uh, in this one. But it's fun. And both have been fantastic stories. TCU obviously a bigger surprise than Oklahoma State. Sunny Dykes uh, in year one just doing an amazing job. Amazing job. And Khaleesi the dog losing her mind on the big bed next to me. Just as a, yeah, okay, she's comfortable now. Um, she's like, I don't know what to do either. She's been freaking out about which way to go between TCU and, uh, and Oklahoma State. But Such evenly matched teams. What do we do? <laughs> she's good. No, she, it's, she's losing sleep over it. Um, this is like one of those games where I really do feel like it's going to come down to who has the ball last. Like that just... I think this is going to be whatever the money line is, take the over uh, on whatever the final point total is for this one. I would take the over. I'm sure it's preposterous right now, but I would still do it. Um, TCU, number one offense. Uh, Oklahoma State, number two in scoring. Oklahoma State, though, here's something that scares me. The worst passing defense in the conference, and it's not really close. TCU's pretty good passing offense. This is going to be a problem for them. Last year, the Pokes won 60 three to 17 here's the problem with that this was all the gary patterson era you got to throw a lot of this past gundy tcu stuff out the window because it's just a completely different situation with sunny dykes and i don't know like the frogs have won the last two at tcu but the way they won was when it was low scoring like they beat them playing the gary patterson way the we're playing this 2023 and we're gonna beat you that way we're not beating you in a in a just traditional Zach Robinson, Justin Blackman bowl game. It's not happening. Now they play like that. I don't know if that's the best matchup for beating uh, beating the Pokes. I think to beat this iteration, I think you're going to have to play that 23-20 style. And I don't think that happens here. I think Texas is a team that can get the Pokes. I don't think it's the Horn Frogs. I think uh, Oklahoma State, more complete, and they take care of business on the road and win outright. 
And the one thing Oklahoma, wait, you picked Oklahoma State, right? Yes, I did. The I think the one thing that they have going for them, not just the one thing, but on top of you said they have the worst pass defense in the Big mm-hmm. Twelve, right? They also lead the Big Twelve in sacks. Yeah. So you know if they're getting to the quarterback, then that might could neutralize that that bad secondary. But but no, give me give me the Dugan Meister. Mm. That's what we're calling him. <laughs> Uh, Max Dugan, all, mm-hmm. all, I'm here for it. Um, moving back over to the ACC, we got the Wolf Pack, my NC State Wolf Pack, mm. going on the road, the Carrier Dome. I don't know that I don't, I don't know what it's called these days, but I'm gonna call it the Carrier Dome. Syracuse is a three and a half point home favorite in this one. I just don't see it. I'm not buying Syracuse. Mm. Like I know they've looked good. Uh, they looked good, and NC State's been underwhelming at times. We still don't know uh, the status of Devin Leary. I think this week they said he could be back this week or it could be six weeks, and that doesn't sound like the kind of guy who's going to play this week. So I probably it seems like he's say, out. I would be surprised if he plays. You probably game. are going to say six weeks. You probably <laughs> say this week, next week. I don't know. We'll see. But it's like you just threw out six weeks. Like that feels like you're saying he's not going to play. That's literally my timeline. They were like, you're probably going to be in a boot around six weeks. I'm in a walking boot. I don't think I'd be able to be a quarterback for a college <laughs> football team right now. Hey, you're not the athlete Devin Leary is. Though, That's true. Right? Um, but, no, their their offense has been underwhelming, um, and Garrett Schrader's been really good this year. But I feel like you just look at who Syracuse has played so far, and they've played everybody tight, like barely beat West Virginia, barely beat Purdue, beat Louisville handedly uh, early on. I think NC State, I think this is going to be the best defense they've played so far this year. And I just – I think NC State's going to have – a way of just making this game ugly and regardless if they have Devin Leary or not, I think NC State's going to go on the road and, uh, and get it done and spoil, uh, spoil Syracuse's undefeated matchup with Clemson next week. So give me the Wolf Pack. I made probably another uh, Florida State type game they had last week, like 1917 or something like that. I think NC State's a type of team that can win in multiple ways. So give me the Wolf Pack going on the road. And getting the win outright. No faith in Garrett Schrader, Robert and I, and that Q's offensive staff. Here's what's going to happen. I don't know if you saw who was filling in for Devin Leary uh, in the second half of uh, that NC State, Florida State game. They weren't it's throwing one... any passes. <laughs> no. And if that's the case, you're gonna. this is another one of those games you're going to have to score. If you want to beat Syracuse in the Carrier Dome in this electric offense, by the Syracuse Orange What is this offense electric, though? Yeah, it's electric. Or did they score 60 against Wagner, 50 against UConn? I don't know. I'm, I'm still skeptical how legit this Syracuse team is. Wow. 35th in uh, rushing offense to this point. Um, let's see. Scoring offense. Let's just see total offense. Where are they? Syracuse is... 39th in total offense. That's ahead of Wake Forest and Kansas, by the way. They're they're legit, but Florida State, number 22, surprisingly enough. Um, no, give me the Syracuse Orangemen. They keep rolling. It doesn't stop here at home. I think they went outright and cover. All it's right, rough sledding the for board. the Wolfpack with uh, Leary going down. That's rough. Yeah, it definitely is. Um Keeping it moving. Arkansas Razorbacks inexplicably 
mm. going on the road to Provo, Utah in, what, week seven? Mm. You can go on the road and BYU, to BYU if you want. Do this week one, week two. Very interesting strategy to throw this right in the middle of the SEC season. This is not uh, your typical cupcake here uh, in BYU. Um, KJ Jefferson, it sounds like he should be back. I don't know if that's guaranteed, um, but it sounds like he's going to be back. Um, if he is, I think kind of like we were talking with Bryce Young, it's just completely not quite as different, I guess. Alabama can still function as an offense without Bryce Young. Arkansas looks like a completely different team, One of maybe one of the worst teams in the SEC without KJ Jefferson. So... I'm assuming they get KJ Jefferson back. That's part of my my analysis, at least. I'm acting as if he is playing. And you just look at what BYU did against Notre Dame last week. Jaron Hall couldn't really. He pretty much struggled in that game. Notre Dame ran the ball all over BYU. I think Arkansas should take care of business, even though this is going to be a rowdy environment. With KJ Jefferson back, if they don't have KJ Jefferson... All bets are off, but I, I'm, I'm going to say Jefferson's back, and I'm going to take Arkansas to go on the road and win this one. We disagree again. Mm. BYU came back last week. They made it a game against Notre Dame. They didn't quit. Jaron Hall, not 100%. This BYU team's good. Kalani Sataki's got this thing rolling. They got an offensive whiz kid uh, running things with uh, who replaced Jeff Grimes and He's been, I was talking to Jerem Jordan of BYU Sports Nation last week about him. Jaron Hall's still a dude, and he's healthier this week. I think this uh, BYU team has a bunch of wideouts that I really like. Here's the reason this is a problem for Arkansas. Notre Dame's defense is legit this year still. Uh, it's You're not throwing on uh, Notre Dame. You can run on them. You can't throw on them. You can throw all over this Arkansas secondary this year. I don't know what's going on with Barry Odom's secondary this year, but they are giving up 307 yard passing yards per game, which is 127th out of 131 FBS team. Their defense mm. is 79th in the country in defensive efficiency. They just can't de- defend anything through the air. Guess who's good offensively still? BYU has got one of the best offenses in the country still right now. Jaron Hall just a little banged up last week. I think this is a bad matchup for the Hawks. I think this is a big one. I don't think BYU is going down to Notre Dame and Arkansas back-to-back. Nope. Give me BYU to win and cover. Mm, put it on the board. Um, and this other one, normally, this next one I should say, mm-hmm. normally one of the best rivalries in the SEC LSU at Florida. This game might as well be a footnote on this week's schedule. Hardly anybody is talking about this game. Neither of these programs are ever used to seeing them. Florida is a two and a half point favorite at home, which I found very interesting. Um, it feels it feels like everyone's left Florida for dead, and LSU is kind of like we expected them to be bad, and now we've seen them. You're like, oh, you know, they're not so bad. Um, we did see him against Tennessee last week, get absolutely just demolished at home, but Tennessee is looking like one of the better teams in college football. So I don't know if that's an indictment. Um, especially you look at Florida at home versus the same Tennessee team, took him to the brink, almost pulled out a miraculous win there at the end. I'm going to surprise myself with this. Mm. 
and I'm going to go with the Florida Gators. It feels mm. like it just feels like a game that no one's really talking about. No one, everyone, we've kind of, like I said, we've kind of left Florida for dead. And like you look up, they could be going to the cocktail party. They win this game. They're going to the cocktail party with a five and two record. Like that's really as good as they could have possibly asked with this first seven games of this schedule. Like the, the Billy Napier era, like it, it's not off to a great start, but like the win over Utah, a close game versus Tennessee, like they didn't look great first Missouri last week. So I think, I think that's a little reason for concern, but I don't know this, the last, what I would say, six of the last eight quarters for this LSU offense versus Auburn and Tennessee has been just awful. And um, I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if they have the firepower to go into the swamp and win this game. So this is going to be an ugly one, but I like Florida to, to win this game at home. LSU won three straight in this series. Um, Florida leads the series all time, 33, 32 and three. So this would be tied if uh, LSU pulls this out and makes it four straight uh, mm. in this one. Here's something I come back to. Florida is number three in, yard, in average yards per carry in the nation. Number one, Alabama at 6.9. Number two, TCU at 6.6. Number three, Florida at 6.38. Tennessee just ran all over uh, this LSU front seven. Like the one thing you – it's just the matchup thing, man, where I don't think this is a good matchup for LSU at all. I think Anthony Richardson and company are going to run all over this LSU defense, and I don't think LSU is going to be able to stop them. I think LSU has real problems that they cannot fix in the middle of this year, and I also just don't think the offense is nearly explosive enough. They don't use Keishon Butte enough. It's really weird how that's going all year long. I'm just – I think they're just fine. They're. I think Florida's in a better place right now, and I think Florida has – Florida is just more certain about who their identity is. Like they're a run first team and they are going to run it down your throats and they're going to run it really well. So I think Florida, like you, I think they get back on track in the streak win and cover. You've also seen LSU go up against um, Hendon Hooker last week. You saw Jordan Travis a little bit in week one, even some Robbie Ashford a little bit for Auburn. Like you've seen these athletic quarterbacks be able to make some chunk plays on this LSU defense. Mm. And I mean, if there's any guy that's going to, that's going to do that in all of college football, it's Anthony Richardson. So it feels like the, the more undisciplined your defense is, the more susceptible you are to those big plays uh, by the quarterback, just taking off. And, and, and we know Anthony Richardson can take off and pick up 50 yards um, as good as any quarterback in the country. Um, so yeah, we're both, we're locked in with Florida on that one. Um, moving on, I've seen a lot of upset alerts on this one this week. I'm wondering which direction you're going to go in. Clemson Tigers going on the road. Dope Campbell Stadium, Tallahassee, Florida. Florida State Seminoles are a three and a half point home dog. And this Florida State team, they just... They definitely feel improved, right? They seem like they're just a more competitive team than they were a year ago. They're they're in every game they've played, for the most part. Wake Forest, they kind of had to come back in that one. Um, I feel like they. I feel like Florida State can give Clemson a game. I just look at this Clemson defense, and this this run defense is just absolutely absurd. Like nothing, no one's getting anything on this Clemson defense, and you finally start to see. DJ Uyunglele makes some plays on the ground. 
And I feel like this Clemson offense has looked better since he started to, to actually use his legs. I think Florida State I think Florida State keeps it close, not closer than three and a half. I think Clemson escapes. I think this is definitely a, a one we're watching in the fourth quarter, but I think Clemson escapes and, uh, and covers. Well, last year, 30-20 Clemson in Clemson. Um, they didn't play in 2020, uh, but Clemson's won six straight in this series. Um, still, by and large, Florida State dominated it, obviously, in the 90s. But was Jameis? Was that the Jameis last time they it. won? Yeah, when they were number one wow. in the country. And they barely won. They won in overtime in 2014. Oh, so that's the year Jameis was suspended. Yeah, I guess and so. And they still won. And the year... Year before is when they beat the absolute breaks off. I mean, it was yes. like fifty to seven. Fifty one fourteen, yeah. Okay. Um so that was it. That was a long time ago. Was the last time uh Florida State got a dub over uh Clemson. Clemson's also got the longest win streak in college football. Like that is also something that Clemson is doing. And yet they're just bleh. Like they're the fourth or fifth mm-hmm. best team in the country. They just like the passing offense, people are like DJ's good. Like the one thing that DJ's doing a little bit better is he's running the ball pretty well. Like that's one of the dimensions mm-hmm. that we didn't really see as much last year, where he's running the ball really strongly uh, for Clemson. They figured out something there uh, that I don't think was working the same way last year. But they're still 56th in passing offense. This is not like some explosive. Like the quarterback advantage is at in Tallahassee this weekend. Uh, Jordan Travis has had a good season to this point, so. I like what I've seen from Jordan Travis. I like uh, that Florida State's made some positive strides. I said on the podcast earlier that I still have a doom and gloom feeling at the pit of my stomach about where this Florida State season's going. It's do or die time. Like, this is it. You cannot go three straight to Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest. Like, that's just a momentum killer to the positive steps in year three for Mike Norvell. And I don't know. This is tough, man. DJU, number 43 in the country in quarterback rating. People are like, he's fine. Clemson's happy. It's like, well, the numbers don't lie. You look at everything and you watch the games. It's not like you're blown away ever. Like NC State just hung around. You look at it and you're like, I just, I don't know. He's not a guy. He's not a Heisman guy. He's just fine. He is a fine quarterback. Eventually, that's going to bite them. I don't think they get away unscathed this regular season. I think they drop one. I just don't think it's here. I don't think Clemson loses this one. I think Clemson wins, but I think Florida State might. No, because you said it's three. Three and a half, yeah. I'm going to say Clemson wins in coverage, but I do think it's close. Clemson, put it on the board. Um... What is the rest of their schedule? Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, so they got at Florida State. I think this is one of the candidates for sure to do it. Their la- their only other home uh, road game. Oh, I got it. It's Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame's the one. Let me go ahead and circle that one. Notre Dame's the one. I mean, Notre Dame, they have, they definitely haven't looked better than Clemson so far this year, though. I mean, they still have Syracuse, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina at home. I think they're. You're not a pinecone guy. No, I'm not. I, I've I've been more and more impressed by Clemson each week. I think because NC State like. They didn't dominate that game. I think NC State's a good team, and they took care of business. Like beating Wake Forest, like that was a challenging. Like they're finding different ways to win games, and they absolutely just destroyed Boston College last week. So I've been more and more impressed by Clemson week in and week out. 
So Brad you heard Deacon's it here first. A dangerous one. October thirteenth, Florida uh, Clemson loses this or beats Florida State and loses to Notre Dame. Lock it in. Lock it in. Um, our next one, our seven thirty SEC Network game. We got Mississippi State going on the road at Kentucky. Mm. The Wildcats are a seven-point home dog in this one. And Is this I, the home dog of the week? I actually already called Illinois as the home dog uh, of the week, but I'm taking the Wildcats as well, sir. Mm. Home team has won seven straight in yes. this matchup. And Will Levis is supposed to be back this week. And the biggest thing, I may have stolen your your pick, your rationale here, mm-hmm. but it's it's Mike Leach. It's like mm. once we finally figure, think we have Mississippi State figured out, like, oh, you know, no one's been talking about this team. They're a good team. Like they're finally getting the national praise that some people were giving them, honestly, in week one. Um, they're finally getting that, and so people are finally saying Mississippi State's good. Now that's when they're going to lay an egg, going on on the road to Kentucky. So give me the Wildcats to win and cover. And if if they win, I'm going to count Kentucky as my home dog. Uh, <laughs> you're right there with me. The home dog. Uh, I mean, the home team's won every game since 2014. But the times that, Kentucky, that uh, Mississippi State has lost – the last two years, the last two losses at Kentucky. They were limited to seven points and two points uh, in Lexington. There's just some some spoopy, some spoopiness when uh, they come to Lexington <laughs> in October. And three straight, man, for Mark Stoops' team, three straight, losing to both Mississippi schools in a three-week uh, time frame. Look, the thing about Kentucky – that I struggle with is this offensive line sucks. Rich Gangarello is not a good OC, and we've seen that too. Like, there was a huge downgrade from Leon Cohen to Rich. Um, there's a reason the Niners were just fine moving on from Rich Gangarello. That's bad. The offensive line is terrible. Will Levis is still going to be banged up. They have the uh, they have the superstar wideout that I like that I wish they would get the ball to more in Brown. He's just a, a cheat code out wide and similar to Wandale Robinson a year ago. But that's a problem. Mississippi State can get after the quarterback. They've got dudes up front. The defense is solid. And if there was going to be a time where the road team won uh, in this series, I feel like it's this year. But, man, we saw this at LSU. Mississippi State against these kind of teams that play ball control, and it's just those – I don't see it. I think Kentucky stifles – Mississippi State makes them run the football, and I don't think they can uh, to the degree they need to to win this one. I think they're a little bit too one-dimensional for the road game here. Give me Kentucky as the underdog. They're my home dog of the week. Give me the Wildcats to win and cover. All right, put it on the board. And our last one, uh, their Pac-12 showdown, we got Mm. the Trojans going on the road to face the Utah Utes, who are actually favored. Utah is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. And I just personally don't see it. I think, hmm. um, you know, traditionally of, like, what Utah has been, they've been, the you know, this running team that can play great defense and everything, and they just seem just more solid, like, USC's flash and Utah's substance, right? It's like 
But I just look at this USC team, and this offense is just so explosive. Like this, this Utah, this Utah defense isn't hasn't been just shutting teams down like they have in, in years past. I um, I'm, I'm feeling USC. I'm liking Caleb Williams and that these these receivers they have. I'm I'm liking USC to go on the road and uh and and beat Utah. You need this one, Matt Green. We've agreed a little bit here. You need this one. Because I booked it last week. I'm not running away from this prediction. I said, what did I say? The prophecy continues. It's all about prophecies this week at Knoxville. Hendon Hooker, born in 98. Feels like 98 here in Knoxville, Tennessee right now. The, mm. the king that was promised. People forget uh, Hendon Hooker. And look, Utah, number two in interceptions forced in the Pac-12. Back-to-back losses to UCLA and USC. Not on my watch. Florida, too. No, this Utah team, too good. USC is eventually going to get caught up. No turnovers to this point in the season. Utah, number two in interceptions forced. They're going to end that streak. That that goes away in this one. I hear you talk about the team as number two in interceptions. Are we not going to acknowledge who's number one? It is USC's is number USC one. USC Trojans? They are number one. They're number one in the country. Yes. In interceptions and number one in sacks. It's that Alex Grinch defense, man. All boom, all gas, no breaks. Uh, they go turnover heavy. Like that was the Oklahoma thing, where like we can't stop anybody, but we're gonna win the turnover battle. We're gonna go for turnovers. We're gonna go for picks, sacks, that sort of thing. Let it all hang out. Utah's better red zone team now. And guess what? This is the thing that I think about the most here in this matchup at home. Utah, number one in time of possession in this conference. They're gonna sit on the ball. They can run the ball. Cam Rising's more than happy to play keep away from Caleb Williams and those Trojans. Give me Kyle Whittingham to get win number one against Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans here. Give me the Utes to win and cover. These two teams on the year, um, Mm. total points. USC has uh, outscored opponents 241 to 12. uh, 241 to 112. And Utah has outscored opponents 242 to 114. So almost identical um, points and points allowed for these two teams on the year. But, yeah, Mm. like I said, USC leading the nation in sacks and interceptions. I think they're going to force a couple turnovers on Cam Rising in this Utah offense. I'm just – this Utah team just doesn't seem like the same – the same just solid – just – attack that they were a year ago that I was kind of anticipating them being in 2022 when I predicted them to be one of my four college football playoff teams. Um, I guess you'd have to say I'm off the Utah bandwagon. So hopefully that doesn't turn out like you jumping off Kansas state's bandwagon Mm. and then turning it in their biggest win of the season. Um, But who knows? I just put it in the atmosphere. So give me the Trojans to win this one. Outright okay. on the road. So how many did we end up agreeing and disagreeing with? I'll have to go back and look, but okay. it's a is a good bit. Okay. You might make up some ground here a little bit. You never know. Since it's not over. So yeah, I think we, we disagree on at least uh, at least five, maybe six, because I had Alabama winning and um yeah, so yeah, at least like five or six we we disagree on. A couple of different ones on against the spread I'd have to look at, but yeah, there'll be some some room for for some standings to be shaken up. That's for sure. There you go.
Uh, any other big games we need to hit on real quick before we wrap up here on our uh, on our preview show? Well, we got to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Oh, no, I don't think there's really much to add for that game. Um, Georgia looks to uh, hopefully just stay healthy, go into the bye week, and uh, then the cocktail party after that. Well, good friend of the pod, Graham Coffey, pointed out that A.J. Swan, best quarterback that Georgia's played at this point. Might be something. Challenge uh, a little is that bit. right? Is that the best quarterback? I'd have to – I mean, is he better than Bo Nix? It's a good question. I don't know if I would say that. And I, I think um, Vanderbilt's best running back, I think I just heard, left the team this week. So that's probably not oh. a great sign going <laughs> up against Georgia and this defensive line. Um, and they were the, without Jalen Carter last week. And I thought the defensive line played really well without probably the best player on this Georgia defense. Uh, yeah, Rocco ago. Griffin left the team. Yeah, he's so the backup though. He's the backup. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I think what is the what is that line at? I don't know. Are you, are you looking at it? Um, Georgia's thirty-eight point favorite in this one. So I I assume Georgia's gonna get this one taken care of fairly easily um vanderbilt probably won't score double digits he was demoted to third yeah that's wild i thought most of this was gone we got to get rid of this thing man players leaving mid-season can't have it i mean it. there's nothing you can do about players just quitting the team you can't you can't make a guy stay on the team um uh, the other is there any just other sec bummer. the only other sec game really is uh that we haven't talked about is auburn um at ole miss mm. and you know, Ole Miss is a 14.5-point favorite in that one. So Weirdly I low. I feel like that should be higher. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ole Miss is just – I mean, that's not the type of team that's getting huge spreads, you know. I mean, hmm. they're, they're, they're good, but it's probably more of an indictment on Auburn, I guess, to that it could be higher. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. For that guy down there in Decula, Georgia, Matt Green for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that is all we have got here on this edition of the Full Ride on the Chase Stones Podcast. We'll be back uh, with our recap show on Sunday, so look out for that. Uh, but until then, uh, we will talk to you guys very soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.